We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Merry Friday. It's Ivy Nation Sports Talks. Rapid fire show. <laughs> I had to think. We haven't Friday done this fire, Friday, Friday rapid fire thing in a long time. We've, we've had a couple of Friday shows just because there's been breaking news and things like that over the last yeah. month or so. But like we haven't had the official Friday fire show since last offseason. So, right. you know. We're training camp last yeah. July sometime. That's yeah. true. Yeah. That's true. When we were both taking vacation and everything else. So like we may have even started. I don't remember when we stopped. it, But bottom line is we haven't done this particular show in quite some time. That is correct. Yes. That is correct. Jesse's going to be along in a little bit. He's having some, uh, sounds like some computer issues on his end. So in the meantime, he's Vince. I'm Sean. Woohoo! Um, I, I like this comment. I'm going to tell you, I, I saw this from Joe. He says, this show should be on at this time every day. My wife would appreciate it. It doesn't <laughs> uh, go Cut. into uh, yeah. dinner time. We've floated the idea out there before of a 5 o'clock start, 5 Eastern, instead of the 6 o'clock. But... That was not that was not accepted by upper management. <laughs> <laughs> upper management. It's probably the easiest way to say it. There he is. It's glare face. How are you, Jess? Uh, it's Friday, baby. Let's go. <laughs> this is my last day off, man. This is my last day off. And yet I've been sloppy Joe wants to change now. We got people wanting to change the name. Ivy after dark. It's not quite dark where we are. But. No, and thank goodness that it's starting to extend out and it's not getting as dark as it used to, you know, over right. even a few days ago. I've I even, just can't stand that. I've even thought about like a morning show or a midday show before, Ooh. but like that probably wouldn't work too well for you well, guys. So yeah, the two of us have day jobs. So yeah. that would be very difficult to do. Yes. Um, but you know. <laughs> You never know what the future holds, Sean Styers. It's very true. Very true. As Jesse scrolls through all the settings on his <laughs> my light, I think broke. On his light. It broke. Oh, uh, uh, it is it's bright in your area, brother. All right, I'm just turning this off. Goodbye. Well, uh, it looks okay right now. Whatever, yeah, you're whatever good. you got a little backlight from the window there because it's not dark outside yet. But otherwise, see I still use I see you still got the tree up. You're staying in the holiday. Spirit there. I haven't given all my Christmas gifts yet, so I know <laughs> I haven't gotten anything. Out. So that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I haven't either. We have to do the uh 
it's funny we saw each other in kansas but because we both had to travel to kansas we didn't take all the gifts to each oh okay and uh and i also flew so yeah right they flew so so, you got no excuse old there's actually you're all all, stuff in the back see all that over there there you go (laughs) there it is that's right there it is i got you one gift so we've got a we've we've got a big gift exchange coming at nice. some point in January if we can ever get the schedule figured out. Nice, I like well, a different discussion. We've got uh, th- this is going to be a little bit different version of this rapid fire. It's not like the typical rapid fire, but we have sort of categories yes. in rapid fire that we're going to go through because this is a rewind of Notre Dame football's 2023 and. This encompasses the entire year. This is not just, this is the calendar year 2023. This is not just the football season. Because I know, like, Brian has done some things specific to the football season, offense, defense, and stuff like that. But we're looking at things that happened across the entire year. Yeah. And and then we've kind of got categories where we're going to toss out, you know, our nominations or awards or whatever you want to call them for this. You know, I've got a little bit extra light in my, let me see like can you can you really tell the difference? Does that oh you can tell the difference, yeah. Yeah, it was like I was getting a little bit too much glare in my eye. New lamp, I tested it out last you know, like earlier this week and it was fine, but for some reason getting a, lot a little of light extra. Light, so I'm a little better yeah. with that. Maybe it's I don't know. But anyway. We just need the IB studio. That's what needs yes. to happen. Yes. So for our live viewers, as always, if you have, you know, questions, comments, whatever, and they're like mailbag worthy type stuff, we can we can Ooh, set in the bar, get those in. I'm having a hard time seeing now. Just flying blind. It's okay. I know. Might as well be blind. But anyway, um, do you want me to give you a quick refresher yes. of everything that happened? I say yes because when you sent the rundown, I I don't want to say I forgot about the various things that took place, you know, January through August, basically uh-huh. January through July, but it was a nice refresher as to what took place during that time frame because a lot of stuff transpired starting in January of 2023, so a year ago now until the season started. Now we all remember what happened during the season, but I think that off-season stuff needs to be a little refresher. Okay. All right. I'm good with that. So January 2023. Here's I'll kind of Sam Hartman commits to Notre Dame and enrolls at Notre Dame. And I went back and made sure this did happen in January yeah. because like end of I found some stuff like end of December it was still being speculated on. It didn't actually happen, you know, until as we've talked about that uh, Gasparilla Bowl, I believe it was, that Wake Forest played in They played it last like year. Christmas Eve or something like that, didn't they? Like, it was early. It felt early in the bowl season. Does that sound right? Yeah. And it was still, it was known that he was going into the portal, you know, at the, like, after that. But where he was going, it was still, it was not like Notre Dame was a lock, you know, kind of like everyone was talking about Riley Leonard right. as a lock. I, so. I remember watching the Wake Forest bowl game thinking it was a possibility that Notre Dame was going to get him. And so I was watching it with that kind of an eye, you know what I mean? But it was, but it was fairly new information 
at that point. So then we had from that game up until like now to like dissect it a thousand different ways. Yeah. And it became, you know, okay, this is obviously happening. Yeah. Like the Riley Leonard stuff happened almost a full month earlier yeah. than, yeah, it than did. Sam Hartman. Well, that, I mean, that shows you how up the transfer portal and tampering. all of those decisions and <laughs> tampering. You know, stop with your tampering. Okay. <laughs> it's not tampering if he reaches out. That's right. <laughs> Prove it. Prove yeah. it. Prove it. So then, so then in February, got a little bit of a our first shocker. Tommy Reese leaves Notre Dame to go to Alabama. Yeah. And what follows that is the Andy Ludwig fiasco and turns into Jared Parker being hired as Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. Was fiasco, that was a crazy right? time. Yeah, that's yes, it right. was. Hockey games <laughs> and, uh, you know, yes. secret meetings and not-so-secret meetings and – contracts and buyouts and all kinds of fun stuff like that was that was like an as the world turns situation it was in football it was april after spring practice is over tyler buckner decides he's going to enter the transfer portal he goes to alabama lorenzo styles leaves ohio state at the end of or leaves for ohio state at the end of spring practice as well after he uh he practiced as a uh, as a cornerback for, for about a week, you know that became a big story. And then the next Weird. thing you know, nope, that's not happening. He's gone. Well, and it became a safety or a corner or something at, yeah. at uh, Ohio He's State, a DB right? Over there, yep. He's a DB. So, yeah, really worked out well for him. I don't think he played yeah, all season. <laughs> no kidding. July, Matt Bayless resigns as strength coach just before the start of training camp. I think we were all pretty shocked by that. Yeah, I was. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well being and proper recovery for top notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash blue wire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. August, of course, training camp is is ramping up. Notre Dame announces the extension of the Under Armour contract. I think it called kind of cut us off guard a little bit. The way it's like we knew it was coming, yeah. but it was like you know, kind of a smack in the face. Like this is when they were going to do it, and it was very under the radar as well because I don't believe Notre Dame ever actually announced it. Right? They like. Under, Under Armour did, yeah, that's but Notre true. Notre Dame never did. That's true, and I know we're going to get to it, but like, it was also very like, I don't know, very similar to the NBC contract where they just kind of like handed out press releases at the game. <laughs> it was just, I don't know, yeah. it was just, it was very under the radar. Both of those, uh, both of those deals. Yeah, Michael Parks, good reminder. Harry Heastand retired. You know, he was. Tommy Reese's, I guess, offense or uh, yeah, yeah, offensive line coach. That's when he know? left. Yeah. yeah, so he yeah. did did decide to retire. So you know, we'll determine. You, I'll let you guys determine. You know where you rank that in terms of significance, because again, we've got a lot of categories. We're going to slot a lot oh, of this stuff are. into as we go here. But good reminder there, Michael. If I did for did leave Harry Heastand off the list. So of course, the season also began in August with the win in Dublin. September, Tennessee State, NC State, Central Michigan, Ohio State, Duke. Crazy that we had five Saturdays in October, or in September, I mean. Half the schedule was done by the time we hit October. That's the weirdest part. And I guess no buys kind of, you know, aided that as well. And they played week zero. Yeah, the week zero. Yeah, so six games done before October 1st. That is very true. That, that is very weird. true. That rolls us into October. They lose at Louisville. They bounce back. They beat USC. Xavier Watts has the two interceptions. Following game, uh, they beat. They hammer Pittsburgh. Watts has two more interceptions. November rolls along. Uh, Notre Dame and NBC extend their exclusive TV contract through 2029. And again, they did it like what? A couple hours before kickoff of the Wake Forest game, if yeah. I remember right? And they just kind of like... It was literally they. It was a press release that was sitting at our place when we got to the. Is that what it was? Okay, if I remember correctly. Well, I was I was doing a basketball game. That <laughs> oh, day, that's right. So, yep, that's I right. I, I remember walking into the press box and everybody's typing away furiously. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then <laughs> I looked down at my out their stories. <laughs> yeah, I looked down at my spot and there's a little press release just sitting there right at my spot. Like it was this most underwhelming announcement ever, especially in this day and age with the TV contracts and everything else. So, yep. Yeah. They uh they beat Wake Forest that day of course after having lost to Clemson, they beat Stanford in the regular season and then just days after that the portal stuff begins. Even before the portal officially opened, Chris Tyree enters the portal, uh Tobias Merriweather, Rico Flores, Braylon James all follow, Chancey Stuckey gets fired. That was all still in November when all of that wow. was going on. I know. It's like crazy. Think about that. It was only a little bit more than a month ago, but that was all still November. Uh, then December, the rebound. 
Notre Dame gets invited to the Sun Bowl. Of course, they end up winning the Sun Bowl at the end of the month. Marcus Freeman hires former Cincinnati and Wisconsin receivers coach Mike Brown to replace Chancey Stuckey. The Irish lock up their signing class. No flips in the class. Either way. Yep. Like nothing for, nothing against. It was That's true. the most unexciting yet exciting uh, signing class or signing yep. day ever, it felt they, like. Yep. And they also, of course, had a big portal class with Riley Leonard coming over from Duke, RJ Oban coming over from Duke, Chris Mitchell, Bo Collins, Jordan Clark, the kicker, Mitch Jita as well. So uh, that was all big news. And then we get some even bigger news. Jared Parker named the head coach at Troy. A little bit of a shocker there. And didn't take long. Marcus Freeman goes out, hires Mike Denbrock from LSU to become the new offensive coordinator. And unless you guys can think of anything else, that's kind of the thumbnail of 2023. That was a good catch by Mike Michael Parks, though. I did the Harry Heastan thing slipped by me, I guess, just because of the coordinator things. It's Here's here's what's crazy, like to think back on it now. Technically, Notre Dame had four offensive coordinators in one calendar year. Tommy Reese, Jared Parker, Gino Gadouli, and I don't know. I guess Denbrock was announced in December, so that's four. Four offensive well, coordinators yeah. in one count, calendar year. Yeah, if you count Gino, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's kind of I mean, nuts. He, he was yeah. the coordinator. For, he was an interim, but he was He's the, the one that showed up at the offensive coordinator press conference. Right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so you're right. If you showed up, that's who you are. Yep. That's yeah, and I I mean, it's still a good point. Somebody brought up the the Jack Swarbrick. This is more specific to football, and I guess the athletic director, but we did get the news that Swarbrick is retiring and and the replace, you know, the succession plan going on which there. is it's, big and and the president is, yeah is is stepping down as well and so right. those those are two major you know milestone events not only for the football program but also for the university itself um so yeah i mean those those are big moments i, I would agree with that yep <clears throat> well jesse i will start with you Hey-o. yes since since other than your light issues you've been mostly mute so far Let's just go. Let's let's start our categories as we go through this. Again, that's the thumbnail of all the things that happened. And that was a lot, really, when you look at it over the course of the year. What was the most shocking moment of 2023? Um, hmm. I've, so like, what's hard about this game is once <laughs> it fits into one category, it's like off the board. And so I took a little bit of time to kind of think about what would be the most shocking um, I would say the most shocking moment to me was the meltdown of the wide receiver room. I it, it was shocking in learning kind of how drastic and bad things really were because obviously we don't see it, you know, and, and it's behind closed doors and no coach is going to come out and say in the middle of the season there's an issue or, you know, I don't even think Marcus Freeman knew how significant the issue was himself. So that was the most shocking moment to me, just how toxic some of those relationships were between the wide receiver coach and the wide receiver, and then the exodus of all of those wide receivers then leaving into the transfer portal. Okay. My turn? All right. Yeah. Uh, so most shocking moment for me was Tommy, Lee's going, Tommy Reese going to Alabama. Like, that was that was shocking to me, especially 
you know, the manner in which he stuck around when Kelly left and, you know, and then he, I don't blame him for leaving. I was just surprised that the offensive coordinator search for Nick Saban led him to Tommy Reese and then Tommy Reese leaving to go down there. Um, that, that shocked me. I, it that, was a bit surprising considering, you know, all the animus that was directed at the last two Notre Dame offensive coordinators and they both landed pretty firmly on their feet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, no <laughs> doubt Jared Parker and Tommy Reese where they, where they ended up. And you're right. But I mean, you know, here we are a year later and, and guess who's getting more animus Tommy Reese down there at Alabama after everything that happened at the end of that Rose bowl. Yeah. Against I, Michigan. But yeah, I agree. I, I, that's, that's not my answer, but I mean, it, it was pretty shocking. <laughs> I did not, I, I wouldn't have thought, that you would essentially see Tommy Reese get sort of that upward promotion. Yeah. You know, some would say falling upwards, you know, to get to where he did from Notre Dame to he Alabama. He fell south. He fell yeah. south. Yeah. I mean, my most shocking moment was Chancey Stuckey getting fired, I think. Just because, you know, one, just a day before he got fired, we had the press conference with Marcus Freeman, and he sat there and said that the whole staff was going to come back intact if he had his way. I think, you know, maybe if you asked him, he would have found a different way to answer that question. It's probably, true. you know, would would sort of be the thing. But, there, you know, there was so much we saw on the field, the you know, the obvious lack of production and, the you know, the, the lack of development the way it needed to be. And then, you know, as Jesse kind of re- referred to, then you start sort of hearing how things were coming out. But to me, it showed once again, that Marcus Freeman is a polar opposite of his predecessor, like in the way that he did things, because Brian (laughs) Kelly would, you know, stick with his guys until the end, and he wasn't going to let go until he was forced to. And Marcus Freeman, after two years with Chancey Stuckey, said, you know, we're we're not going to ride this train. We're we're moving on. We've got to have change in this room. It was it was pretty obvious that that some kind of change had to happen if that wide receiver room was going to become more productive. So he pulled the trigger. Chancey Stuckey gets fired. And, of course, this was right after the Chris Tyree news. And, you know, then, again, you had more guys from that room enter the portal. So, to me, it was – to me, it's 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 Stuckey just because, again, Brian Kelly showed that he was he was late on the trigger. I guess, mm-hmm. right? Oh, like it took yeah. him it, it took it took until a total meltdown in the middle of the season for him to get yeah. rid of Brian Van Gorder when others would have said, Hey, you need to do this sooner. And we, you know, we, I think, you know, like the stuff with Dell Alexander, there was every reason he should have done that sooner, but he right. never did. <clears throat> Numerous times where Brian Kelly probably should have pulled the trigger on guys and never did. Or or did it too late, I should say. Um, yeah, no doubt about that for sure. All right. So what was Notre Dame's biggest miss of the year? Vince, we'll start with you on this one. I'm going a little off the beaten path. I mean, I'm obviously going to choose one of the the items that you had, but as far as like fitting it into the category, to me, their biggest miss was not somehow finding a way to keep Matt Bayless uh, for the season. That That was a big miss to me. I know he left for personal reasons. I understand those personal reasons. I get it. Um, and, and he wanted to be at home, and I and I get that. I just wish there was a way they could have like lightened his load maybe or maybe worked around his personal schedules and things of that nature. 
to make sure that he was around for the season. I just think that that was a big miss uh, by Marcus Freeman and the staff. <clears throat> I no, feel I, like – go ahead, Jess. I feel like mine's going to be a very common or popular answer, <laughs> but to me the biggest miss of the season uh, was losing to Ohio State at home and just how that game unfolded towards the end. thought they had a great opportunity to – you know, it's not often you get the chance to play Ohio State and they're geographically in the same region. And so when you think of, you know, good football teams or dominant football teams in this area, it's it's Ohio State that comes to mind so quickly and and losing at home and, and losing to, you know, I can't remember what Ohio State was ranked at the time, but it just felt like a huge missed opportunity that really could have shaped the rest of the season. Because had they not lost that game, they're probably in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Um, and, and so it just felt like that opportunity for Notre Dame to really kind of grab its own fate and destiny for once um, and beat a team like Ohio State. And they haven't done that in a long time. So I thought that was the biggest miss of the season. No, I mean, that's a good one. And, you know, Vince's is is good as well. You know, when you like you go through the season, you know, they, they obviously had an interim strength coach, you know, Fred Hale run things throughout the season. But you're right. Like the fact that they couldn't come together on something <laughs> on the eve of training camp started to get something done with Bayless's yeah. big and, and you know you're also right Jesse like missing out like we were we were all you know like watching that it's like this is finally going to happen for this program to beat a team of this caliber of Ohio State's caliber and they, they've obviously done it with Clemson before somehow Ohio State just kind of seems like, you know, they're in a different echelon even than Clemson. You know, just just what what Ohio State does year in and, and year out and what they become in the Midwest and other, you know, great Midwestern program and all that stuff. And to have them at your place and to be on the cusp in the last four minutes to have a chance to beat them and then to let it slip away. I mean, that that was a big miss. That's for sure. My answer, though... <laughs> is it came down for me to either Louisville or Andy Ludwig. And that's a good I'm, point, miss of the year. I'm going, Andy Ludwig's going to come up later. I'm going with Louisville <laughs> on this one, the complete and total meltdown at Louisville, because even if they end up losing to Clemson in early November, if they beat Louisville, I think that they're, most likely in a New Year's Six Bowl. Well, they're two, if there's two losses, they're right. in a New Year's Six. Well, so right. whatever those two losses are, exactly. they're, they're in a New Year's Six. And no to doubt lay the it. Yeah, to lay the complete egg that they had, to have to, to show no signs <laughs> of, you know, any offensive proficiency at all against what was a decent defensive Louisville team. But at the end of the day, it's not like they were, you know, the juggernaut that, <laughs> that they look like against Notre Dame that night. So to me, that's... That's the biggest miss. The way things and the way this, you know, the season ended up for Louisville. You know, let's let's not forget that that Louisville lost to Florida State, you know, ACC championship game. So yeah, I mean, they were a good team this year, and yeah. they were a New Year's Six team. But since Florida State got knocked down a peg, they lost their New Year's Six spot. And and just about every other year, Louisville's a New Year's Six team. So what's the sneaky success? of 23 Notre Dame's sneaky success was what 
Um, to me, the sneaky success was the performance of Xavier Watts in the secondary, because I don't think at the beginning of the season, if you said, you know, this is what Xavier Watts is going to do on the field. And these are the type of accolades that he's going to get after the season. I, I don't think that was, you know, that was on anyone's radar. And so I thought that that was a sneaky success of getting that sort of output or getting that sort of, you know, production out of Xavier Watts in terms of turnovers um, and being able to lock down that safety spot. People aren't going to like me for this one, and I don't care. Um, <laughs> my sneaky success is hiring Jared Parker as the offensive coordinator. Ooh, going that far. Okay. I am, because last time I checked, Notre Dame set the all-time record for scoring at Notre Dame. That's been in place since the 20s. This is basically my answer. Like, mine is not hiring Jared Parker, but it's the success of the offense. Yeah. You know, like – the fact that they scored 40 or more points, nine out of 13 games. Now, granted, the last one, you know, was with a, you know, like to your point. It's still about his Jared scheme. Parker, it's still, mean, he, yeah. put, he put the yeah. game plan together before he left. That's, That's right. They averaged, yeah. Well, you, to, to set the scoring mark, you're right. It was more than 100 years old, you know, over 432 yards of offense per game. I mean, it, get, it gets obscured by the fact that they scored a total of 56 points in the three losses. But right. Absolutely. It's still... Over the balance of the entire season, it was a successful offense. You're, and you're right. And and he had, I mean, it was his offense, right? So he takes the he gets the credit, he and he also gets the blame. And and that's fair. And that's the way it should be. You should be able to have the conversation and be able to talk out of on, on both sides of things, right? They were very, very successful. They were very successful offensively. There were, but they didn't show up in the bigger games. Okay. I I okay. I get that. I and I'm there. Jeez, that's coming from a father. Father too. David is calling you out big touch. It hurts. <laughs> but that's why it's a sneaky success. Okay? Yeah, no. I don't think that we Because can... there was a lot of frustration, but at the end of the day, it you know, again, when you sit back and look at the numbers, they set records. Right? You know, and, and that's but that's to me it's the definition of sneaky success and look here's the th and here's the thing for me when it comes to jared parker the way everything went down with him getting hired with the the ludwig fiasco and and all of that right people weren't going to give jared parker any credit unless they won a playoff game like that's the only way jared parker was going to get any kind of credit for doing anything with this offense yeah and so he was fighting an uphill battle from the from day one just because of the manner in which he was hired right and so he did all of that with all the noise in his ear and everything else. I give him a lot of credit. I was actually looking forward to seeing him in year two, seeing what he could do with the offense, you know, et cetera. With all of that said, they still upgraded the offensive coordinator position. Yes. So you can say both, both things can be true. That's right. Both things can be true, but that's why it's a sneaky success. Right. I mean, if you didn't like Jared Parker, you should just be happy that – Things happen the way he did. I mean, you know, yeah. you didn't get a New Year's Six Bowl or a playoff spot, but at the end of the day, they had a really good offense, and he moved on and became a right. head coach. And yeah. now you've got a an, an offensive coordinator that's probably got, what, at least a 98% approval rating? We had this discussion today in the mailbag, Sean, and I'm interested to get both of your guys' opinion on this. If we go back to January of 23 – in this offensive coordinator hire. And let's pretend the Ludwig stuff doesn't go February, down the way February it did, right? Okay, last last year. Yeah. Let's say they hired Mike Denbrock. Let's say that Freeman wanted to go get Denbrock. That's who he wanted 
to get. Would it have been such a success as it was this time around? I don't think you would have been. Yeah, I don't. I don't think you. I don't. Hang on just a second. I'm trying to decide if I want to go to the next category oh, okay, because I don't know what you guys have for the next, ca- you know, for the, <laughs> the answer for the next category, but I'll just start with mine. My biggest flex of the year is getting Mike Denbrock from LSU. That, that was mine so, too. That okay. was mine too. And Jesse the manner is, in which he did it. Right. Yeah. And so 100%. we can at least lay that out there and I'll let Jesse kind of save his unless, it, you know, it's also Mike Denbrock, but go ahead, Jess. No, it's not Denbrock. I'll let you okay. finish. Okay. So we can I, – I just felt like we might as well have, you know, the full Denbrock discussion along with this question since, you know, our biggest flex of the year for Notre Dame is going out and getting Denbrock. But I agree to your point. I think what you're saying is like a year ago, getting Mike Denbrock wouldn't have seemed – it wouldn't have been as huge a hire as it is right Absolutely. now because LSU ended up leading the nation in scoring and he produced a Heisman Trophy winner – with a quarterback who was pretty good last year, but not great. He wasn't, you know, like he had Heisman odds, but he wasn't, you know, like sitting up at the top, like the Heisman favorite all year. And two years ago, he was just an eh, Arizona state quarterback. And now look what Mike Denbrock turned him into. Look what he turned that offense into. They overcame a horrible defense. Now it's, it's a huge hire and it's, (laughs) it's an even bigger flex because of the fact that Marcus Freeman was able to go out and pluck Mike Denbrock away from Brian Kelly, right. making yet another guy away from Brian Kelly and getting him here to Notre Dame. So it's a massive flex for, oh. Notre, for, for Notre Dame and for Marcus Freeman. It's a huge flex. Like that. That's why it was mine. I mean, he basically went down to the bayou and said, Mike, you're coming back to Notre Dame. And Mike's like, yeah but you're going to make me the highest paid OC and like, okay, let's go. And, and it was a done deal. And that was his number one guy. And he went down and he got him. And that look, Marcus Freeman has been flexing for the last month. If you look at the transfer portal, the way he went and basically got all the number one guys that he wanted to get for the, <clears throat> uh, for the most part, like, he's like, I want that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy, that guy. And they got him. Right. And they they identified those guys. They went after them. They recruited them hard and they got him to sign in Notre Dame. They went out and got who he said was his first choice in wide receiver coach. And I think, you know, in a very, very, very small sample size, it's going very well. And then he targeted Mike Denbrock and went and got him. So, like, the ultimate flex was the Mike Denbrock thing. But he's been flexing this whole offseason, in my opinion, with the, the coaching hires and the transfer portal. I mean, he's making everyone who he used to coach under very happy by plucking away all of his top assistants. Oh, you know, yeah. he goes out and gets Mike Brown from Luke Fickle. Love he it. plucks Mike Denbrock back away from Brian Kelly. And, you know, of course he had already taken Gino Gadulli from Luke Fickle, you know, a year ago. And I yeah. didn't even mention that, I That's guess, true. That, like on, on that list, because when they changed offensive coordinators, they had to get a quarterback coach and all that different stuff. But yeah, I think it's a massive flex. So I'm curious to see what Jesse's flex is since he doesn't agree with us. Yeah. My biggest flex of the year was the performance of the defense led by Al Golden, Thought they were the backbone of the team. I thought they flexed every game. They kept Notre Dame in every game. They never let anything get away. Um, There might've been some, some drives here and there, but that's natural. That's football. There's a lot of drives throughout the duration 
um, of the season. But the, the thing about Al Golden and the defense is everyone was ready to get rid of him. Everyone thought that, you know, it, he, he, that they weren't, that they weren't living up to the to standard living up to par. And they came out and flexed this year and showed you why they're so elite and why they're so significant. They were a, a, a championship level defense, um, but the offense wasn't ready or wasn't quite there yet, in my opinion. And so I thought that was a, a flex of the year. It just, just because of the the negative connotation and the feedback that so many people wanted to give him, um, he wanted you know they wanted to criticize the linebackers that their arms were too short and they couldn't tackle in open space, and they came out and proved everyone wrong. And I, I thought it was a tremendous performance all season. We just make the list of random criticisms that everyone had of the defense. I would like to be able to go back and find all those, but. They're probably on the message board someplace from a, from a year ago. But I mean, no, I mean that's 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 a great one as well because it's not just that the defense improved, as we've talked about before. I mean, Al Golden in year two turned his defense into a championship caliber defense, and it got better as the season went on. It really felt like I think you kind of maybe mentioned it the last time we were together, Vince. It felt like after that Ohio State game, they really kind of started turning the defensive line loose yes. a little bit more. And we really yeah. got to see what that defensive line was all about. And they became the difference makers that we thought that they were going yep. to be. And I, I felt like that was a huge part of it. You know, like it just it it helped so much, I think, <clears throat> when that when that happened and uh, they stopped being maybe so vanilla up front. Agreed. But I mean, it's, no. you're, you're right, Jess. It was a big flex because wasn't just a good defense. It's an elite defense that he turned it into. Well, and also year. I just think that uh, part of the flex too is, and I'm not taking anything away from the offense because you still got to punch the ball in, but the defense gave the offense some advantageous fields in a lot of situations as well. And so not only are you locking down teams, but you're giving your offense the ball in plus territory with the, with the opportunity to get points off turnovers. I, I just think that that's a huge flex. I just wish they would have flexed more on the last drive against Ohio State, not dropped eight. Yeah. yeah, but that's just me. I mean, that that's, was that's revisionist history. I get it, but every no, but time, fair. every time they lit up McCord and they they fought, you know, br- you know, brought the blitz and everything, that boy didn't know what to do with his life. And when they dropped eight, he was able to find open guys. Like, just keep lighting them up, man. But you know, it is what it is. I know. Prevent defense prevents you from winning so many times. I know. So what I, happened to the Cowboys uh, against the Lions as well. I was. I was going to say it, Jess, but I didn't want the chorus, you know, from the chat. <laughs> but, oh, we're talking about the Cowboys now. I can't take it when you talk about the Cowboys. Hey, they're going to play Syracuse in 25. They'll get their chance at McCord again. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but you're absolutely right, Jess, with that comparison, because I was literally thinking the same thing, but I bit my tongue on saying it out loud. <laughs> so. By the way, 11 of the top 40 rated television programs Dallas Cowboys games. <laughs> just I just saw the NFL. Not, not just, not just football games. Uh, Eleven of the top forty television programs of the year were Dallas Cowboys games. And as usual, the NFL ruled. Oh my gosh! The top oh, you saw that chart? <laughs> oh my gosh! It, and it was it was like uh, it was a, they they showed like a hundred the top hundred right? And I think yeah. three or four were college. Uh, one was the Oscars. One was political debate. A political yeah, like debate. A political debate. Yeah, and that was it. Everything else was NFL. Like yep. it was amazing. That's amazing. 
I know. Oh, man. Okay. What about your low-key flex of the year? So we had the biggest flex. What about the low-key flex? I'm curious to see what you guys... I'm going off the list. Made of this. Oh, boy. Start, start us up. Jesse, you start us off. Then we'll hear what Vince has to say. Um... This this is uh I gotta I feel like I gotta go, you know, since I'm gonna stay in the defensive side of the ball. Of course you're um, a linebacker. Well, yeah, so I got I got two I got two candidates here. I you know, I'll give one to the defense and I'll give one to the offense. Loki flex Rocco Spindler on the offensive line. I thought okay. he didn't really have, you know, he I don't think anyone thought that he was gonna be the starter, nor did anyone think that he would have the success that he would as a starter. And I thought he was a great piece on an offensive line. Um, defensively, I think that the low key flex was the performance of the linebackers. I thought that they struggled at times, but also stepped up to the occasion. And in a defense that is that sophisticated and that hard, it is a big role in the linebacker just to get everything in motion, you know, let alone to as well as, you know, making their own reads and everything else. So yeah. that was my low key flex of the year. Okay. Mine is way off the beaten path, and I don't care. My low-key flex for Notre Dame, and it obviously didn't work out in their favor, but uh, was the white pants on the road. <laughs> I'm sorry. I loved it. I thought That's it was – That's a good the, point. That's better than what I had. It's a good man, one. Man, that was a, a good one. great look, and it sucks that they lost that game. I know. Because people are going to blame the yeah. pants or something yeah. stupid. But, like – that is such a good look. Like that was such a good look, man. I, that that's and that's a low key flex. Was that's was true. Uh, was the 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 white pants on the road, man? That's good. I like that. I like that. You did. You went off the radar, and <laughs> that was good. You know, a lot of people throw in Jordan Faison. Yeah, in there. I think that's a, a pretty good, pretty good one as well. You know, the way things turned out, going from lacrosse walk on and turning into. By yeah. the end of the season, arguably, you know, at least for one game anyway, he he had one of the two best wide receiver performances of the year in yeah. the Sun Bowl. And look, he's so. slated as a starter in the slot going into next year. So, yeah. you know. Yep, that was big time. What do you got, Sean? What's your low Mine <laughs> is the move, if Denbrock is the biggest flex, the low-key yeah. flex, is Jared Parker getting the job at Troy, which – indirectly or directly yeah i see what you mean that's a low-key flex because it's 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 good on notre dame that their oc is now becoming a head coach somewhere yeah it's 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 good for notre dame yeah you're exactly right it's good for notre dame that they have an offensive coordinator who gets promoted to a head coaching position at a you know again this was a good program yeah that's what i was getting ready to say it wasn't a rebuild program it was at a good program that's had some success so he gets to take that over and then in the meantime, for all the, you know, venom that Jared Barker was getting, now Notre Dame, you know, gets a, an, an offensive coordinator that is a splash higher in yeah. Denbrock as well. So it works out for everybody. Jared Parker gets to become a head coach. Marcus Freeman can say that he he got his, you know, first coordinator promoted to become a head coach. And they also get a, a great offensive coordinator from LSU me- Mike Denbrock. I want you guys' opinion on something. I'm a big, big conspiracist. Um, in terms of Jared Parker and Den Brock, I think that this situation went one of two ways. Option one, 
Jared Parker gave Marcus Freeman a heads up and allowed him to kind of get into the search a little bit sooner. Or there was kind of some, you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't say, you know, backdooring, but maybe Den Brock became available and there was interest and it was how do we segue into potentially getting Jared Parker out of the offensive coordinator role? That's not how it happened at all, though. I mean, that's a great conspiracy theory, but that's not how it went down at all. Like Mike Denbrock had agreed to his contract extension in all ways. It just hadn't gone to the regents because it's a public school and it has to get approved by the regents. So it was all but it was all but a done deal. And when Jared Parker informed Marcus Freeman that he was going to go interview for this job, obviously he started going after. But it was only a week. Like there was I just only think it happened so quickly. It was only a week. Well, it happened quickly because Marcus Freeman called Mike Denbrock and said, "Want to come back?" Like that's you know, that's all it took. I mean, and then obviously he's like, "Hey, we can match your salary. We can make this worth your while." Like obviously that conversation took place. But and don't he, forget how big that is. You know, like yeah. you know, Denbrock was not. That was my other block. thing: is how how is how is it okay to make Denbrock the highest OC? But when it came in terms of buying out Ludwig at Utah, it was this huge deal because Notre Dame didn't want to drop money on it. So, like that's another thing where I'm trying to I'm struggling with because if it was about the money. Then why was it like Ludwig shouldn't have been a thing because now they're making Denbrock the highest paid OC well, in the country. What happened with Ludwig was they didn't know what the buyout was and they were shocked by it when they went to that went to went there and then that whole mess started. They had, and then they Lud- had one number that they thought was right. doable, right? But again, Ludwig had already signed his you know Correct. a new contract and that number was much bigger and. He also wanted to bring an offensive line coach with him that that made it, you know, an even bigger buyout on top of it. And along with that, they weren't, you know, the people above Marcus Freeman I'm talking about. I'm not going to point a direct finger, but, you know, we know who the decision makers are. Didn't think that Andy Ludwig was worth worth it. Uh, Was worth it. Basically worth it. Yeah. And also when that whole thing went down and it was pie on the face of Notre Dame, Ludwig finally just said, no, I'm good. Like he backed out eventually. And, like, and that's, that's the point that, that did Notre, happen. Like that's the point that the Notre Dame people right. want to stick to. He's the one that said no, but there was but, all this other stuff that happened. All this other crap went down first. Yeah, that's exactly. right. Like, that's exactly did right. He, did he say no? Yes. But it's semantics to think that exactly. they offered him the job and he was like, no, I'm good. It was all the crap that went down. He's like, you know what? Maybe this isn't such a great idea. Like that's, it, it was a it was a yes in principle at the time, right? But right. then all this crap went down. So like it was it was an embarrassing situation, is what well, it was. Well, and that leads me to the WTF moment <laughs> of the year. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. And that was mine is Andy the the Andy Ludwig yeah situation, and that, that we were you know just cut you know he's. He's out there. The fact that it happened so publicly, they take him to a hockey game. It's, it, you know, it obviously looks like it's a done deal. And again, right. all these other things that we've been talking about happen. And that is, to me, the WTF moment of the year for Notre Dame. And for good reason. I mean, for good reason. It's not what I picked just because I knew we would be talking about it in some other way. Um, I went I went with an on-the-field moment, and it was the it was just a debacle of the Louisville game like that. Dang it, Vince. That was mine. Well, like I, I said, 
for the two categories yeah. that we had. It was Louisville right. or Ludwig, and right. one was. I think know, that <laughs> that Louisville weekend was my worst football weekend of the year because the Cowboys also got destroyed by the 49ers the next day, and so I was in California. I, I watched the the Notre Dame game, and then I was sad. I was de- like depressed the next day, and I was like, "All right, you know, time to watch the Cowboys game." And they just kicked me in the stomach. And luckily, when those games end in California, the Sunday night games, it's only like eight or eight thirty, right? And so. I went to bed after that. I just turned off the lights and was like, this weekend's <laughs> over for me. You know, like I don't want anything else to do with this weekend. So yeah. Louisville started all that. And that was the WTF moment for me because it, it just nothing was clicking. It looked like no one was on the same page offensively or defensively. And it's not like, you know, Louisville's offense and defense weren't these juggernauts. They should not have struggled in the way. Yeah. That they did. Jack Plummer should not have had that sort of success. Oh really, gosh. it was the run game as well that was really yeah. surprising as well. Yeah. I, if you would have told me, you know, pick one thing that's going to be the difference in this game, it would have been like Louisville starting Jack Plummer. Notre Dame's going to win. Like right. That, that was it for me. Like that was that was my entire analysis of that game, and obviously it came back to bite me. And I, I ugh, just watching. The whole scenario, like start to finish, that game was a, an absolute disaster, especially coming off the way that they won the Duke game, right? It's like you're coming off the Ohio State game, then the Duke game, and now you go to Louisville with a chance to really assert your dominance after a sketchy but a win at Duke, right? And then Louisville was just like, and it, you're hearing all the right things, like this this team is focused, they want to kick some ass, like all these different, and it's like, yeah, no, they didn't. They, they they didn't even want to be there. It was, it was oh my gosh, it's horrible. Yep, yep, yeah. And it, just going back real quick, this is a good one from uh, Domer Buzz. The last three head coaches at Troy were all together at the same time at Kentucky. Brown was the first and the oldest. The Troy, um, I think AD is what he meant. Had his mind made up when uh, he lost his guy. Yeah, to yeah Parker and they, they they all had oh, absolutely. And we talked about it at the time. You know, that's part of what I think you know, led Parker there, you know, one, he was the Notre Dame offensive coordinator. He had this record setting offense and he had these direct ties to the last two coaches. So, you know, that, you know, when the guy left for Tulane, that Parker was probably one of the first names that he sure. mentioned, you know, sure. And that's just a domino, yeah. you know, it's just a domino effect that you're not really anticipating, but you got to roll with the moment. And obviously Marcus Freeman rolled with that moment in a really, really good way, yeah. you know? We've got a lot of uh, a lot of good uh, other suggestions for WTF, <laughs> they, and they're moments. not wrong. No, the ten I men mean, on the field. Was, ten men on the field shit. is actually a, like I hadn't thought of it that way. But again, you know, we're not just going with what happened in the season. This is the entire year. Yeah. So, you know, mine was Ludwig. You guys said Louisville. You know, but this is legit. This this definitely <laughs> falls in like this. You could change my mind probably on, you know, yeah. even the Ludwig thing. Oh, yeah. With 10 men on the field because the way that game ended. That's inexcusable at the middle school level, like having 11, having 10 men on the field. I, that, that's, yeah. Especially in that moment, right? In, in a goal line stand moment for two plays in a row to have 10 men on the field, like that is a WTF moment. I, I may have to change my mind uh, on that one. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's that, a good one. That is because I remember thinking to myself, "What the? Like well, that was actually my even with ten men. Response. Notre Dame still almost yeah. stopped him. He barely got in. That's amazing. I think uh, you could go with amazing. that, or you could bring up the passing 
the ball after Audric Estime just ripped off some big runs against Ohio State. Fair. Ooh, yeah. Because that's one where I was like, man, what the F are we doing right now? But again, just keep handing the ball to big Audric. This is his. This is his moment. He's built for again, fourth Jess, quarters to end the game. Very similar to uh, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott deciding to throw the ball all over the place on their last offensive possession. A lot of parallels, unfortunately. At the, the, at the end of the Lions game. Fortunately, the Cowboys got a little bit of help and were able to hold on. But, uh, you know, as David said, this year, every week Notre Dame won a game, the Cowboys won. Awesome. Every week Notre Dame lost, the Cowboys lost. It is I think it's funny, too. Another WTF moment was Ryan Day just obliterating Lou Holtz immediately. <laughs> yeah, after what was that? That? <laughs> That's pretty good. That is actually that is pretty good because I was like, what is he doing? Like, What is the point? What are you gaining from this? That was that was fantastic. But then I love how it swung back around at the end of the season when Lou Holtz didn't even have to say anything again. And he got brought up after Ohio State lost in their bowl game you know everyone was like was lou holtz right are they ohio state soft lou holtz is just kicking back yeah exactly Minnow cheese sandwiches someplace oh. <laughs> it was awesome uh michael parks jack swarbrick saying misguided passion was the what uh wtf moment for him i almost said it but what wtf moment for him <laughs> Father David says what went down with Stucky was his WTF. That's fair. Uh, yeah. That's that's definitely fair. You could drop it in there. Yeah. I'm sure. Uh, well, we lost Jesse. That's all right. <laughs> well, we can just keep rolling and he'll come back. and He'll be back at some point. Yeah. Okay. So fill in the blank. The most important <laughs> thing that happened for Notre Dame football in 2023 was blank. It was the pursuit of Mike Denbrock and the way that it all went down. And the reason that I say that is it, it's the most important from a support level, you know, from the athletic director and the president, you know, giving Marcus Freeman the, uh, you know, the tools to go get the best. And he did that. And so I feel like that's the most important thing for the present and the future of Notre Dame football. So that's what I'm going to go with. No, I don't think that that's a bad one. Um, I I just went with Notre Dame getting its 10th win. Marcus Freeman getting yeah. his 10th win. You know, The actual importance, I don't know. But as we talked about it earlier this week, the fact that they had so many opt-outs, the fact that they lost the offensive coordinator to become a head coach, they had the quarterback's coach take over the play calling, you had to get the backup ready to go, you lost – Two NFL tackles, you know, all, you know, everything that you dealt with, with the wide receiver room, basically packing up, you know, half the receiver room packing up and leaving and all that yeah. different kind of stuff. The fact that they were able to do all that and get 10 wins, I think yeah. that that is important for the health of the program, big time for the health of the program. And when they can sit back and, and Marcus Freeman can say, look, we had all this different adversity. And at the end of the day, we still won a bowl game. We still won 10 games. I think yeah. that's that's really big for him and the program going forward. Absolutely. I mean, you could you could say the month of December, and I think it encapsulates True. everything. You know what I mean? Like yeah. the, 
the the manner in which he went after the two coaches, the manner in which he went after the guys in the portal, signing the 24 class, winning the Sun Bowl the way he did, like getting the 10th win. Like the month of December was huge for Notre Dame. Absolutely huge. So if you if you look at it as in, okay, well, you got nine wins, now go have December. Like it's it's already a thing. Like nine wins is happening. That's it. Like he just crushed December, in my opinion. That's true. Just absolutely crushed December. That's true. I see we've got Jesse back with a little bit different uh, look now. I'm going cell phone style. Yeah, we've entered the portion of the day where my internet just randomly stops working. So nice. <laughs> apologies. I don't know. I, I just all of a sudden I have no bars, and I usually have like the best internet speed on the block. So I don't know what's going on. So we were just doing the biggest thing or the most important thing that happened for Notre Dame in uh, in the year 2023. What is your response? Um, What did you guys say? I said getting to 10 wins and, you know, closing things out on a positive note, despite, you know, all the, the transfer portal stuff and the opt-outs and everything else. And Vince kind of followed that up with, you know, just the month of December, the way they were able to nail the month of December was uh, really huge for Notre Dame. Yeah, I would say I would say I, I lean more towards the December thing. But for me, I think the biggest thing that happened for Notre Dame in 2022 was Marcus Freeman not having a Marshall, a Stanford type loss anymore because, you know, losing to Ohio State sucked, but they were a ranked team. Losing to Louisville sucked, but they were a ranked team and made it to the ACC championship. To me, the only real bad loss was Clemson, but they ended up turning the season around and they're still a very talented team, yeah. very, you know, talented head coach. And so I thought the biggest thing, because a lot of people, if Notre Dame had three losses and one of those losses was to like Middle Tennessee or Navy or, you know, something like that, I think we'd be having a much different kind of True. discussion at the end of the day. And so I think not having those losses against teams that, you know, you should have kind of steamrolled is a, a big, a big thing that happened to me because I felt, I felt that was a big stepping stone in Marcus Freeman's kind of maturity as a head coach. Z man, 1994. So we forgot about the strength coach. Maybe you got in late. We, we had strength coach discussions early. Yes, we did early on. We <clears> talked <throat> about that impact and more, more the, the letting go or quitting of Bayless as opposed to the hiring of, of Ludlow, or I think that's Ludlow. Yeah. Um, well, and maybe really that's, maybe that. that's what he's saying. I, yeah. I did forget to put on the hiring of Ludlow yeah. at the end. Which, okay. I mean, I get that. I, I, I get that. I just, I don't know. The jury's still out as to whether that's a good hire or not, in my opinion. So I'm not sure, sure. if that's good, bad, or yeah. indifferent. They hired him. How, you know, how great is that? TBD. <laughs> we got you, Jess. We can see you. It's like, it's like Jesse's here. And how great not. is that connection? TBD. Yeah. <laughs> TBD. And now he's paused. So I kind of, oh, nope. He's there. Hey, buddy. We got you. I mean, if it works, you can just stay on your phone. That, that connection was good enough if you want to switch back to the phone since you're having some Wi Fi issues. You look like you're frozen. I, he probably is. I no, think he we'll, is. We'll just, we'll just and do that. he's gone. <laughs> we'll just do that. Sloppy Joe said, important, starting Charles, Tosh, Ashton, Billy on the line. They make the line a championship line. 
I mean, it's it's going to be very interesting to see what they end up doing with the line. I think there's going to be a lot of competition, to be honest with you, uh, on the line. So I don't feel like any spot is secured on the offensive line. I well, I will disagree with that, but I will also say there's going to be a lot of competition. I think so too. I think Ashton Craig is secure in his spot. You think Craig is? You think he's more secure than like Coogan, even? Yes. Or Jagasaw? Jagasaw or Jagasaw? Say it right, Vince. Jag. Um, It's actually Jagasaw. That was, remember the day that I tried to play the pronunciation? He pronounces it Jagasaw. So. He literally has pronounced his own last name differently. I've heard him say it <laughs> different ways. Are you serious? Like 100%. I will find the video on Twitter and show it to you. Okay. Um, where he pronounces his own last name, Jagasaw. But what? Of course he did. Of course he did. Because when right. we were sitting there in December. I know. The players at the media, I was sitting right there. I know. the last question he was asked was, how, how do you pronounce your name? name? And he said, Jagusaw. Well, just like that. Just anyway, the bottom I, line. I believe you that he has said it yeah, different because guys no, I, do that constantly all the time. It's very frustrating. <laughs> um, I I think if I was going to rank them, I would say Craig one, Jagusa two, <laughs> and then I mean I know where I would rank the rest of them. You know what I mean? But I don't know how Rudolph ranks the rest of them. So yeah. those are the two I would say definitely. And then the other three are going to be some competition. I do believe that. Absolutely. I don't disagree with that. You good there, Jess? Yeah, I'm just really frustrated. You want to you want to call out your internet provider and see if we can, you know, get, like... get you some free internet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> AT&T. Mm. I tell you, that's what I mean, that's what I used to have here when I had all my problems and yeah. since I switched, minimal yeah, I've mine's great. I'm a big fan, big fan of mine. Xfinity, it's doing good Xfinity, things. Sloppy Joe, AOL. <laughs> <laughs> Dial up. Yep. Who was Notre Dame's most surprising player of the year? How can this not go to Faison? I mean, as far as you know, what I actually expert- said Watts. I said Watts. Okay, all but right. Faison, Faison is fair. Yeah, I, so. for me, for me, Faison is just like, you know, we watched him during fall camp and it was like, yeah, this kid's pretty good, you know, for a walk on. And, you know, we know he had offers other places and, you know, things of that nature. And it's like, yeah, he's going to be, you know, he's going to get these guys ready. He might be a good, you know, uh, uh, you know, special teams guy, you know, potentially that kind of deal. There were definitely people that were making bigger, I think, projections than they should have at that point. Uh, but, I will also say that he exceeded everybody's expectations, in my opinion. So, no. I, I, I mean, Jordan Faison is going to be a starter next year, which is I, crazy to think. No, that's true. But as Will Fox says, Watts was an All American. He wasn't <laughs> just know? an All American. He consensus was best defensive player. No, in he the was nation. a un, he was a unanimous, not consensus, right? Unanimous, and he's the first safety in Notre Dame history to ever be a unanimous All American. First ever, which is nuts. I mean, think about yeah. it. Plus, he wins the Nagurski Award, and you know, again, like coming into this, I, I get what you're saying about Faison, 
But like when you look at overall production compared to expected production coming into the season, I think we thought Watts could be a pretty good safety, but there were still questions about what exactly he could do back there. And to end up with seven interceptions, winning all the awards that he won, and then, oh, by the way, deciding to come back for another year as well, uh, just a huge surprise. I thought he could be a productive, good safety, but I didn't think he had, would end up playing at the level that he played sure. at. Jesse, do you want to be the tiebreaker, or do you have another one of your own that you're going to throw out for biggest, most surprising player? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to be lame and piggyback um, off of what you guys said. I'm going to have to go with Howard Cross just because of his production in the middle, being undersized, being able to get pressure, also being able to stuff the run game, draw double teams. Um, he's again, he's a little bit undersized, but he still plays big, very physical. And he's got that quickness and good, you know, he's got good moves to get past you. Those good Olays, um, that sort of stuff. And then you start looking at his stats. I mean, he doubled his output essentially from 2022 to 2023 in terms of total tackles, solo tackles, um, sacks were the same, but you know, I don't know his pressure rates, but I, I assume that those, those were also better this coming season. And again, it, I don't think if you told us at the beginning of the season, Howard Cross was going to be a stud in the middle that, you know, yeah, there was a, a chance for it, but I, I felt like he was, he was, it was a very surprising game. Now that's a good one. And the fact that he ended up being the team's second leading tackler, he had the most tackles for any defensive lineman in the nation. And to be a team's second leading tackler as a nose guard is just nuts. Like that doesn't happen for, for a nose guard to, to have that kind of production. Usually he's just, eat, you know, he's eating blocks in there and letting the linebackers run free and all that stuff. And, and so for him to have the year that he had, uh, you know, again, another guy who you would have said, yeah, you know, Howard Cross should be pretty good, but to be that good and, and uh, who said it will, Said it, but you know, 13 tackles versus Duke, just insane. So I think they're all, I think they're all good. I think you can make, I mean, we did just did, we made cases for all of them. So <laughs> I think my technical difficulties are officially over. So I apologize for that, that hot mess that ensued. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. You know what you might want to start doing? I don't know if it, like just. Do a do a, a reboot like every day at five o'clock and just see if it helps. Maybe like get you know get it out of the way. Like just throwing it out there. Usually it's when my downstairs neighbors start making some commotion. Oh, hello! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got my attention on that one, buddy. Oh, what are we, Pat McAfee here or what? Jeez. <laughs> Coming to you from the Thunderdome with a Christmas tree in the background. All right. Thanks, Jess. <laughs> keeping it clean. Keeping it clean. Let's go. Realize we're on a podcast. Oh, boy. Family now, friendly. Now you got to go through and you got to cut it out. Jeez. Oh, my gosh. It's making more work. Seriously. All right. <laughs> What's the time on the clock? Um, an, an hour and three minutes. 103. <laughs> I'm going to write it down. Going to write it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Like, no one's just letting me think. That's how uh, frustrated I was. Uh, <laughs> I like this one right here. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sorry, Father. <laughs> Bless him, Father Breeze. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh boy. Uh, although I did know some priests in my day who have, you know, dropped their own, you know. <laughs> I and I know what priest you're talking about, I have a feeling. <laughs> That's right. Okay. <laughs> so, who was Notre Dame's most head-scratching player of the year? Curious to see what you guys say about this. To me it was easy, but I'll, I'm curious. To see I think we're say. all going to jump on the same bandwagon here. Um, we'll see. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. You know what? I'm going to give you the, the offense and defensive special. I got to go offensively, Sam Hartman, because I felt like there were games where he looked really dialed in, and then there was games where it's like, if you are this prominent of a quarterback and you have this much experience, we shouldn't have these kind of, you know, and again, I don't know if there, he wasn't on the same page with the wide receivers, what the dynamic was, but it just felt like there was a disconnect for a guy that has a lot of experience. And he was supposed to be that guy in the big games to kind of give you the edge, right? And we talked about this after the Ohio State game. He, Him and McCord played on the same level, and that shouldn't have happened. He should have been playing better than McCord. He should have been playing better than Jack Plummer. He should have been playing better then, you know, the Clemson quarterback, he's slipping my mind, Club Nick right now. Um, and then defensively, it had to be Maris Leofout just because of he would make a spectacular play and then he would follow it up with a, a, a horrible run fit. And you're sitting there going, Maris, what are you reading? You know, like, what are you doing in this situation? So, again, 100%, I got to go Hartman on offense, Maris Leofout on defense. Okay. Interesting. I like the Marist one. I think that's a really, really good one. Um, I am going with a similar type of player. I'm going to go with Jordan Batelho. Um, that's got a, a lot team. of playing time for not a lot of production. Now, hopefully the Sun Bowl can be something that can project him, you know, to having a good year next year at the Viper position. Uh, but he, I mean, I was like, he's my defensive one. And if we're going to do offense and defense, Pat Coog getting the, the, the starting nod to Pat Coogan this year uh, was a major head scratcher for me. Okay. Um, it, I find it interesting. And I, you know, I'm, I don't disagree with what you guys are saying, but 
maybe you're just, you know, I don't know. Tobias is mine. Like hmm? this season was set up for Tobias Merriweather to become the guy. And he played in all 12 games of the regular season, ended up being the team's ninth leading receiver. Now I know, you know, that, that this does get a little bit complicated because of, you know, the Chancey Stuckey situation right. and Stuckey's involvement in that. But look, this was a highly talented guy who, again, we expected him to be the man in the wide receiver room, and he ended up being Notre Dame's ninth leading receiver after playing in all 12 games. There was not a receiver who played in more games than Tobias Merriweather. He had more drops in the Duke game than he had catches. With three healthy scholarship receivers out there, he had more drops than catches. You know, So it's not like he didn't have opportunities to produce. And so that's why, to me, Tobias is the most head scratching. And now that's fair. he can be head scratching at Cal or he can that, do whatever that, at Cal. Yeah, no, that's fair. I think I think he didn't make my list because of everything that I found out after the fact. And so it didn't become head scratching anymore. Like it became kind of obvious as to why he didn't produce. So that that's why it but, wasn't head scratching. But, but I did agree with some you. of his own, you know either lack of performance, you know, whatever. I just don't think Tobias did it, lead, that did, it, did it lead to some of that, I guess, possibly. as the season progressed. I mean, possibly, but it, it sounds like it was a season-long situation. And so, and Jesse says he doesn't have that dog in him. I don't necessarily disagree with that because he also wasn't able to overcome some of that mental issue that he right. was That's what I mean. I didn't think he had the mental so, strength to overcome yeah. – what was going on. He listened to the noise and kind of succumbed to it. And some guys, you know, you're not going to get along with every coach. Right. And so I get it. That's a big part of it. But at the end of the day, you kind of just have to put your head down and work a little bit harder if you want to prove that person wrong. Right. Like, and so yeah, that's, I mean, that's the line produce, I struggle with. I mean, a little we all bit. know this. If you produce, they'll find a way to keep you on the field and you'll have a bigger role, but he wasn't producing in the opportunities that he had to produce out there. So we haven't talked about this yet. So fill in the blank. After all the talk about the NBC contract and the apparel <laughs> deal, it's blank that both of them are done. They both got done within the course of the season, yeah. basically. Yeah. It's relieving just because, it, you know, like the, the NB, the, really the Under Armour deal is what it is. Like, I, don't, I honestly didn't care about where they went as long as it wasn't like Adidas or Puma or something like that. If they stayed Under Armour <laughs> or Nike, like, that's fine. You know, like at the end of the day, it is what it is. But the NBA, NBC thing was so relieving because I still have people bothering me, telling me that, you know, I, I had a good friend over this weekend. He's a Big Ten guy. He's a Wisconsin fan. And he's trying to tell me that at some point Notre Dame has to go to join a conference. Right. And I said, no, they don't. No, they don't. They will never have to join a conference because all conference is is money. And Notre Dame's got their own money set up through NBC. And then the counter argument was, well, no one's going to want to schedule Notre Dame. And da, da, da. I said, no, that's not the case either, because everyone wants to play Notre Dame. That's what fills the seats. That's what gets you the yep. ratings. That's what makes you the money. And so it's relieving when this stuff ends because I don't have to hear about, oh, Notre Dame's got to join a conference. Right. You know? They're not going to be able yeah. to stay afloat on their own. It's just like, shut up. Like, it's that's never the case. It's never going to be the case. And so, yeah, I was just relieved when it's over because I don't have to listen well, to people yap about something they don't know about. And that, that, like, what is the argument going to be now from the Notre Dame needs to join a conference people with the 12 team field? If Notre Dame doesn't make the college football playoff with a 12 team field, it's their own fault. It's Absolutely. because they're not they're not producing 
on the field. With a 12-team format and the TV contract, that is two of the things that Notre Dame needs. The third is just a place for the Olympic teams to play. And they got the TV contract. You're right. Like, if if you hear that, you know, and not only would Notre Dame be in there, but they're taking, you know, the – whatever you want to call it, not punishment, but like they know that they can't get one of those four buys in the first round. They're taking the extra game as part of the deal to keep them independent, basically. So like, what's the argument that Notre Dame needs to join a conference? It's as I've said before, it's, it's like you, what's, what problem doesn't solve for Notre Dame to be in a conference? It solves no problem because everyone is happy for Notre Dame to be exactly where they are right now absolutely and the only thing that would force Notre Dame into a conference is if somehow they got shut out of a national championship possibility it's the only way so if 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 they made some sort of a rule that you had to be in a conference to be in the playoff which would be a stupid rule but if they made that rule then that would be the only reason that Notre Dame would have to join a conference that's never going to happen so as long as Notre Dame has access and as long as they have a tv partner they're always going to be independent period and Will Fault has a great point, I, I, and I absolutely want to explain this, and I did it in the show earlier today. He says, do you guys think that getting a first-round bye as a conference champion is going to hurt Notre Dame? I don't, and here's why. Every one of those top four seeds that get a bye have to play 13 games right. to get there. And that 13th game is a conference championship against either the number one or the number two team in these conferences, which are massive, right? That's a tough game. And the team that loses that game could still get in the playoff, but they also still have to play that 13th game and then get in the playoff. Correct. And Notre Dame, in return to saying, okay, you have all played your 13th game. You won the conference championship. Okay, we'll take the five seed. We'll have a home game against the group of five champion, which is the 12 seed, in December. Yeah. Okay, we'll take that 13th data point. No problem. And then the following week, now everybody's got 13 games and they're playing each other. And and Notre Dame will play. If they're the five seed, they play the four seed, of which they may be a higher ranked team going into that game, but they're technically playing the four seed. So not only have they gotten their 13th data point by playing a group of five team at home in December, but now they're going to be in a New Year's Six Bowl destination playing a team that they're already better than playing the four seed. I'm sorry. I don't see the negative here for Notre Dame. I agree. But your scenario, you're assuming they're going to be the five seed. Right. As well, and because I believe the, the question earlier today was what, you know, a 12 and O team, you know, a 12 and O Notre Dame team okay. is going to get screwed yeah. by being the five seed or something along those lines. You know what I mean? Right. Um, Either way, Notre the trade-off Dame is you get a home playoff game, game instead yeah. of having to play in a meaningless conference right. championship game, which would, you know, again, like that also can potentially cost you seating, depending on how badly you lose that, you know, whether you win or lose, how badly you lose sure. that game, you could end up going from a potential top four seed all the way down to 10th or 11th, depending sure. on the outcome and how other teams Absolutely. do. And Notre Dame doesn't have to worry about that. And that's going to be it. That is most likely with the with the getting rid of divisions and all of those. Those conference championship games are going to be top ten matchups, and those are ma- those are going to be massive games. Those are almost going to be playing games into the playoff, right? I mean, and it's not going to hurt Notre Dame if they're 
12 and 0 or 11 and 1. It might hurt them if they're 10 and 2. But at that point, they're going to be on the outskirts anyway. And the loser of those games is probably going to fall behind Notre Dame. So Notre Dame's going to be in pretty good shape, folks. Yeah. Couple things. Uh, TD4ND, would they get more money being in the Big Ten? They would likely get more money, but they'd they get more TV money. Yeah, they'd get they, more TV yeah. money, but they wouldn't be. Well, they also would have to share <clears throat> networks with other people. You know, they don't have to right. share networks with NBC. Every home game, Notre Dame is on NBC no matter what, coast to coast. Right. And Correct. they also would not have the same kind of input that they have in like home kickoff times and those kind of things. Absolutely. They well. have a lot of. They have a lot of say in all of what you just mentioned, Sean. And that, right. that there's something to be say. So power equals money. Like it may not be actual money. Especially the combination of the two. Yeah, yes. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Decaf 18, do we know what conferences will have the top four seeds? Basically, the top four seeds go to the four <laughs> highest rated conference right. champions. And there's not going to be a Pac-12 anymore. <laughs> right. So you've got four you know, the power four or whatever, yeah. plus the highest rated group of five team right. would be in there as well of like, right. so it's going to be. They're, they're going to have to make yeah. a decision about the pack two, because right now the pack gets their champion in to the playoff. And so that's obviously going to be a problem. So they're going to have to make some sort of a something between now and next season for the two teams that are left over in the pack two. Whereas, you know, they're not going to get an automatic bid. I mean, because they're going to be playing Mountain West teams and there's only two teams in the conference. You could get a six and six team, uh, you know, getting an automatic bid. They're not going to allow that. So I, my guess is they're going to go from six automatic bids to five automatic bids. And then there'll be seven at large teams. Well, I know they've already voted on that. I can't remember if it was officially approved yet or how that's there's there's still, a I think, some moving parts. Yeah, with that. You know, to be solved. Because you know, maybe the pack two ends up getting a bunch of teams the next year or whatever. I mean, maybe they can continue their pack or their power five label. I, I don't know, but yeah. we'll have to see what happens there. The whole thing ended up being pretty anticlimactic, I thought, with yeah. uh with both NBC and the apparel deal. Yes, it was being announced the way they were. You know, like apparel deal came out what first week of training camp. It's like boom, yep. okay, that's done. And again, and Notre Dame didn't even deal. announce it. Like they, yeah. they, you'd think that they would make a big deal out of it, and which it was I, just, I like, just, I don't day. get it. I don't just get another it. Another day, no big deal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I know. What? Uh... But they're both done, and it's like two less topics for us. I know. Get to the off season. <laughs> so it's like you could have at least drug it out until June. <laughs> I know. Give us something. <laughs> I know. I feel like we got to end on a happy note. What, who was your – it's like a two-part question. Who was your favorite player of the season? And what was your favorite moment of the season? Like football play moment. Mine are twofold. Audrey Gestime was my favorite player, and the Duke run was my favorite play of the season. Where he his, hurdled the guy? His yeah. Duke run? No, the Duke run. Was, was that the hurdle? Where he went in to win the game. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. Hmm. I just thought he was consistent. I thought I'd say he was my great. favorite play was fourth and sixteen. I would say, like, yeah. I mean, when I say fourth and 16, we all know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. <laughs> Sam Hartman uh -huh. scramble to pick up the first down. And then, of course, Estime scored the next one. After that, you know, maybe, you know, like the long run against NC State, you know, not quite as 
as dramatic. Like Kyron Williams, it set like, the tone for the rest of the game. Like though. that Kyron Williams run against North Carolina still stands up there pretty high for me. A couple of years ago, like the you know to he starts to his right, cuts back to his left, boom, stiff arm in the backfield, and those blocks he picked up on the sideline. That was that was still like to watch that un- unfold in real time was pretty impressive. But um, that fourth and 16, like after all, you know, the, 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 the kind of uh, vitriol that Sam Hartman took for the two runs, you know, against uh, Ohio state coming up short, even though, as I've said before, the sideline run was a first down, you know, he should have had the first down. They overturned it for whatever reason, but to pick that up on fourth and, in 16 was was a pretty cool moment i think yeah estimate is going to be my favorite player to watch i mean he's just and he, yeah and that's a favorite player as well there's no doubt about that and then uh xavier watts was a close second for me and so i will go with will for my favorite moment as well the first pick by xavier watts against southern cal and he's right the energy in the stadium was unbelievable like that it lit the whole place up like that game was over at that point and the energy didn't subside the rest of the way, even though it was a blowout. So, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's what I'll go with. All right. We got a few here in uh, a few startup. Okay. To to. Logan got- Diggs. Logan Diggs <laughs> entered the transfer portal again after leaving Notre Dame to go to LSU. He's uh, back in the portal. What did you guys think of that? news coming out today i was surprised i thought lsu was home i thought that was the narrative and so you know clearly didn't like his role maybe some nil is playing a part of it i don't know but i was definitely surprised i was surprised as well i was too because uh you know from everything that i first of all logan diggs was a was a chance uh, a potential transfer like the second he walked on campus i mean we've been talking about him transferring forever and i think you know, him transferring was not a surprise. I think he would have left earlier if it wasn't for his degree. You know, he got his degree, then he left, you know, kind of a deal. I just always figured it would be done at LSU. He's at home, you know, the whole yeah. thing. I'm it, I'm going to be very interesting to see where he's headed. Uh, I just remember the video of him, like, walking into the LSU facility, and it was like, welcome home, and you know, all this <laughs> stuff. And it's like, he's out. He's out now. Like, okay. All right. See what you got. Had a solid season. TD4ND said he wants to start. I mean, I think you can can make a case that as a running back in college, you know, you're better off just splitting carries and having productive seasons. And Just didn't really see him in the bowl game, though. I mean, he was almost absent uh, in the bowl game. I think I remember one carry specifically. Other than that, they kept handing the ball off to somebody else. So maybe he was getting overlooked in his own eyes. I don't know. I'm trying to remember who they even play in the bowl. I'm like, man, why is that? They played Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Thank you, man. That was only a week ago. I know. <laughs> wasn't even a week ago, was it? No, it wasn't. Was it really? I'll see. There you go. Too many games. Well, I try to look games. at the, at the four box. days ago. <laughs> the box score of this one. Jesse Brent wants to know uh, who's going to win the MVP of the Super Bowl. He just um... he's here to prod you. Don't say right Dak now. Prescott. Don't say it. Um, it's either going to be Lamar Jackson or Dak Prescott. Ooh, man. I don't think either one of them are going to sniff it, but (laughs) (laughs) the game even, let alone, 
let alone think like it's I don't know, maybe like the Ravens are they impress me a little bit more every week. They've kind of I, I I haven't been all in on, but the way especially the way they beat the the Dolphins last week, I was pretty impressed. Um Irish Steel 63. Don't you think they should print some sort of commemorative ticket for Notre Dame Stadium's first playoff game? next year well i mean obviously assuming i'm gonna get, get a gold there. one well they don't print tickets yeah. anymore so i don't think that's yeah, actually gonna happen yeah, but maybe that's kind of what he's saying since yeah. they don't print tickets should they make a commemorative i think they threw away the machine it. i don't think they can do it anymore yeah. i don't think they have the ticket making machine i mean at the very least if you have your you know qr code on your phone or whatever you can save like that you, picture you know, like if they if they came up with a commemorative thing you know like you scan it and then you know like your QR code proves that you were there. Maybe you could could get one. But I remember the year that I went to see the Royals in the World Series. You know, there's they were still you know they printing tickets is was still much more common back then. That's only been what nine ten years ago, something like that. And I bought the tickets online, and you know they were just going to email them to me. And I was like, well, could you go ahead? Do you like, do you have a, like the physical ticket? I'd like to keep it as a souvenir. It's, you know, it's like, it's the world series. Give me that ticket stock, man. And then fortunately they mailed it to me. So I don't just have oh, nice. like an email, you know, with <laughs> nice world series on there. Uh, going back to the last one about Logan Diggs, he had one carry for one yard in the bowl game. So okay. probably didn't leave a great taste in his mouth. I'm guessing. Okay. Decaf says off topic, will Notre Dame women have enough players to finish the season? I'm very look for good news coming very soon. Oh, look Ooh. at you. You're such a tease. That's all I'm gonna say. You're such a tease. Good news should be coming very soon. All right. Well, so if I do if I if I've listened properly, I think I know what the good news is. <laughs> all right. Just saying. <laughs> uh, back to the Marcus Freeman thing. Sloppy Joe said. Should be noted that Denbrock and Freeman are friends from their Cincinnati yeah. days. Denbrock has always been the guy Freeman has wanted. I mean, the gang is all together, baby. It's you got Freeman, yeah. Denbrock, uh, Gino, Mike Brown, Mike Mickens, Mickens. Mickens. Got half the staff together. The gang's all together, baby. That's right. <clears throat> it's you know, it's, it's like who is who's Freeman plucking more, BK or or Luke Fickle? I love I thought, it. I thought that he and Fickle were better friends than that, but hey. You know, it's nah. like, he beat Luke Fickle right? out for the head coaching job at Notre Dame, and it wasn't close. Yep. There's no more friendship there. The other one, Nolan Ziegler. Did you see this? Central, Central Michigan. Michigan. Nolan Ziegler as a wide receiver as well. Yep. Central Michigan. He's going to play linebacker and wide receiver. So he's Chip. taking a step down, but he's going to get to play both sides of the ball, apparently. No, he's a really good player and a really good kid, and yeah. I hope I hope that he has as much success as he can have there. Um, good for him. I think that's awesome. I think so as well. You know, again, I was a little surprised that like seeing him leave Notre Dame to go, you know, a, a, a few tiers down to a place like Central Michigan, but to get that opportunity, you might as well. And uh, you know, like and it's it's twenty five minutes from home too. Yeah, unfortunate it didn't work out here, but hopefully it works out for him up there because yeah. everything that that Vince just said every every reason to root for him there it's 100 percent yeah 100 well i think that's it Woo. we have uh we have run the gamut here tonight a lot of good stuff we you know we we went through all those categories and we didn't even mention riley leonard in the whole thing pretty amazing 
Well, jury's still out, my opinion. Great pickup, obviously. Uh, TBD. But, you know, it is. It's a TBD for me. I need to at least see him throw a ball with a gold helmet on. Like, I haven't yeah. even obviously seen that yet. And uh, I have a lot of confidence that he's going to be great. I think he was the best one out there to get. And I'm excited about it. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of other things that happen in 23, though, man. That, like, he'll be – I have a feeling he'll fit into some categories than when we do this a year from now. I have a feeling you're right. I have a feeling you're right. I am excited, though, to see him in, you know, like after seeing what Denbrock did with Daniels there at yeah. LSU this year, it, like to, to see those two be able to work together here at Notre Dame and, and the receivers, yes. you know, that they've been able to go out and get via the portal and all that stuff, every reason for a lot of excitement. Yeah, they, they lost some good kids in the in the portal, obviously, at the wide receiver position. I think they're just fine at wide receiver. And there's still a lot of talent in the room. I mean, everyone's yes. talking about Faison. I mean, look at what, you know, look at how good Jaden Thomas looked in the Great house. I, yeah, and Jaden yeah. Great House. Faison. Faison and, and um, look, Jaden Thomas is still there. Deion Colsey. Someone's picking, I saw Colsey. someone pick Deion yes. Colsey for breakout player. Like there, there there's going to be, there's a ton of talent in that wide receiver room. And, you know, I, they didn't get worse. I'm telling you that right now. From the wide receivers that were there in November to the wide receivers that are now there in January, they did not get worse. So I think they actually got better, but remains to be seen. Well, that's going to do it for tonight. Fridays are at five o'clock, and I tell you, it, it like that five o'clock rolls around a lot quicker than six o'clock. <laughs> yes, it does. Especially when yes, Vince is doing another show beforehand. Yes, it does. All right, I got to go clean up Jesse's mess. So <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> welcome to your dad. He's the one that has to clean it up. Brent with uh, one final. Can you just spell shot. my name right once, please? <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to have a conversation, at least spell my name right. It's on the screen. It is on the screen. <laughs> it is on the screen. <laughs> Look, Brent, oh. I don't know what you want me to say. Dak and freaking Purdy have the same exact stats, okay? The Cowboys are due. That's Just let me live my fantasy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'll never see Jesse wear a 49ers hat. That's never going to happen. No, no. All right, well, that's going to do it. Hit the like button, subscribe, rate, and review. Have a great weekend, and we will talk to you Monday. <laughs> on IB Nation Sports Talk. happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing american families time is short before something big happens and that's why so many folks are preparing 
They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com. 